0: Hi, everybody. Okay. Welcome to You Have to Watch This Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And today, in honor of my 30th birthday, which took place over the weekend, we're going to take a look back and do something we'd like to do on the show here, which is a triple feature. Each one of us picked a film from a certain topic. This this week, the topic is the year 1991. Each of us picked a film from 1991. Um. And I think I'm going to be going first. So one of the reasons we're doing this is it was my birthday. But today, before we get started, today is Devin's birthday. So I want to start off the show by saying happy birthday, Devin.
1: Oh, thank happy you. Happy birthday, Devin. Oh, thanks, guys. Um, I'm uh, 29 right now. Stop it. Go. Yeah, That's great. Stop it.
0: No, I hate it, guys. I don't like being <laughs> old. It's weird. Yeah. Um, You'll still always be older than me. So... You've got that going Makes for me feel so much better. Thanks. But, you'll, but it,
2: it, you'll also always be younger than I am.
0: Yeah. That actually That's does. That's true as better. well. So anyway, we're going to start off with my pick for the year 1991. This is a film that I don't remember seeing in theaters because I was born just before it came out. Uh, so my pick for the year 1991 was Steve Martin and Martin Short in Father of the Bride. Um, let me see if I can pull it up here. Look at that. Steve Martin's joined us. Oh yeah. I'm going to adjust it a little bit here. Look at that. Steve Martin. Uh, so father of the bride, I probably should have had this pull it up on my phone before we got started. This is a remake of a Spencer Tracy film, but this film is directed by, uh, my phone is being stupid. There we go. Father of the Bride is a 1991 film directed by Charles Shire and written by a bunch of people I don't recognize. And Nancy Myers is the name that is most known for this. Uh, It stars Steve Martin, Diane Keaton, Martin Short, Kimberly Williams Paisley, um, Culkin, George Newborn, B.D. Wong. Uh, it's got a pretty big cast for 1991. Um, in the film, with his oldest daughter's wedding approaching, a father finds himself reluctant to let go. Uh, so this is this is peak Steve Martin for me. Like this is the first Steve Martin film I I saw. This and the second one, um, to me, this is like the best Steve Martin that you can get. Uh, he's frantic. There's a lot of physical comedy. Um, there's some cameos from other, uh, well-known comedians in here. Um, and I think the whole dynamic that he has with the Martin short character works really well for me. Uh, it's got a great score by Alan Savestri. Um, what did you have? Had either of you guys seen father of the bride before this? Never. Yes. Okay. Ryan, I'm, I think you said your (laughs) wife owns it.
2: Yes. Um, my wife owns it and she's actually the one that showed it to me a few years ago. So I'm like fairly new. This is probably like the third time I've ever seen it. Okay. Watching it for this. So yeah.
0: Have you seen the second one?
2: Oh yeah. I love the second
0: one. Okay. So Devin, is it actually good? Uh, we'll get in, we'll get into that. It's, it's, it's bizarre. Um, and then we'll, then we'll talk about the third one. So Devin, since this was your first time going into this, what did you think of father of the bride?
1: Oh, I loved it. I love Steve Martin and everything he's in. Uh, I haven't watched it recently, so hold on to this. But The Jerk used to be one of my favorite movies ever. And for me, is peak Steve Martin. Don't know how it holds up, uh, but I really like him and I just liked more of him. Uh, I, the movie needed some time to grow on me, though. That opening like monologue where he's like talking to the camera for some reason just rubbed me the wrong way. Um, but then like as it played out, I started to like it more. And I'm like, okay, I'm fine with this. And then I went back and rewatched the beginning part and went, this doesn't bother me. I don't know why it bothered me.
0: Um in the chat, he hates the cans. He hates uh,
1: the cans. I don't know who um, said that,
0: but I love it. <laughs> um I do, but I'm gonna let them be anonymous. Uh, <laughs> so Ryan, what is your favorite Steve yeah. Martin film?
2: Uh honestly, The Man of Two Brains.
0: Okay. I don't have think I've seen, seen that Martin? one.
2: I doubt any – I I doubt either of you guys have seen it. My dad loves Steve Martin, and in fact, mm-hmm. I'm actually a bigger Steve Martin fan than I am – oh, darn it. What's his name? This is something I also do for everybody out there. I forget actors' names just on a whim um, and people that I really like too. Uh, Ghostbusters. the Bill the, Murray. The Bill Murray. Thank okay. you.
1: Um, oh, you like him more than Bill Murray?
2: Yeah, I do. Uh, wow. Um, my dad was a huge Steve Martin fan. So like man with two brains was the first Steve Martin film that I saw. And then it was the jerk and then three amigos and, uh, uh, the out of towners. I saw that that was my Mm. mom's favorite Steve Martin movie. Um, and then I saw this one, uh, like I said, a few years ago. So, I mean, to me, this isn't like peak Steve Martin. Um, to me, this is kind of like watered down Steve Martin. Still good. I like it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know. I like him a bit more condensed than what he is in this
1: okay. okay, like a little bit like more frantic more crazy
2: more frantic more crazy like in the man of two brains he 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 kills someone to put the brain of a woman that he falls in love with in her
0: what oh <laughs> my
1: okay. And he's a brain uh, surgeon.
0: You may have to make us watch this at some point. Oh, I'm going to. You uh, definitely.
1: This sounds, like, this sounds like where they got the basis
0: for the Wonder Woman 84 plot.
2: <laughs>
0: so, Devin, what did you think of Martin Short as Frock? In he this? stole the
1: show. He was the character. Every time I would wait for him. like He had his like opening scene in like the, the Bridal Boutique. And I went, I'm mad we're not following him the whole time. And I feel like we got just the right amount of him because he didn't overstay his welcome. The accent never got annoying, but he was always the best part of the scene when he was in it.
0: It, It's such a strange, like you have Steve Martin playing it so straight in this. And Mm -hmm. then you have Martin Short coming in with this out there character, like something right off of SCTV or SNL, um, where you can't understand a word he's saying with that heavy accent accent. Don't know what accent that is. I think they make jokes about it, not them not knowing where he's yeah. from in the next one. But it's such a great foil to everything going on around him. Like this is such a straightforward and simple film, but then you have that bizarre aspect of that, and it just that I think that's what makes this film stick out for me is just that mm-hmm. that that craziness that's added into this sweet story about a father trying to let go of his daughter who's growing up and getting married to uh, the voice of Superman and all of that. (laughs) Um, Was there any moments in this that stuck out to you guys as your favorites? My
2: my favorite line in this is when he's looking out the window when the in-laws are bringing gifts over and he just, he looks out the window and stares at, at at this like beautiful late eighties Ford Mustang and goes, a whole car. Like, and it's the words that he chooses to say, like it's a whole car. Like he'd feel better if it was just the chassis and the engine, but not the tires. and the Like, I just I find that funny. If um, they
0: didn't include the steering wheel, it would have been great. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
2: exactly. So, I mean, that and any scene that BD Wong is in, I love that actor.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. BD Wong showing up in this before yeah. Jurassic Park, even. Mm-hmm. Um, and he shows I up again was- in the second one. So,
1: yeah. I think we're missing the most important cameo, though. The Eugene Levy cameo in this was phenomenal.
0: <laughs> just just singing uh, standards. Yeah. Eugene Levy can sing at any wedding I I put on. Like, that's... hmm I'd buy that for a dollar, going back to our conversation from earlier. <laughs>
1: um, but, like, I mean, I that was one of my favorite parts, though, was I was like, oh, Eugene Levy. Oh, and he's singing at me. Great. Yeah. My, my like, actual favorite line, though, was... Um, was when they went, uh, welcome to the 90s, when they saw like the, the cost of the wedding cake. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing that's weird about this movie to me, watching it after having had a wedding, is how little the bridal party is involved in this. Because you don't <laughs> see them until the wedding, which yeah. is which is kind of mm. weird. But it's also about the father of the bride, so I guess you wouldn't. Because I don't think the the father of the bride from my wedding really had much to do with our bridesmaids. Like, Devin, did you ever, did you ever meet my wife's dad before the show, before the wedding? Before no, the show. not at all. I'm, I'm talking like my pot. My wedding was a podcast. We uh, live streamed it. Yeah. It was actually our
1: second time on Twitch. Yeah. Oh my God. No, I, um, I hadn't. Like, it wasn't. I mean, you're right. It wasn't like really much part of it. And I didn't even know if she had them now that I'm thinking about it.
0: Yeah. You didn't know that my wife had parents or you didn't know that she had <laughs> bridesmaids in the movie. Well, I
1: I didn't know your wife had parents. Let's start there.
0: (laughs) But like they just didn't talk about the
1: bridesmaids at all. They just kind of like glossed over them. And I'm like, yes, she doesn't have them.
0: Father of the groom at that wedding was wild. Yes, it was. Yes, he was, Bill. Yes, he was. (laughs) Um, For me, my favorite scene is when George goes to the grocery store and just freaks out over the hot dog buns.
2: (laughs) That, That part. Okay, so one of the reasons why I like this movie is the fact that like from the very start, I hate his character and I don't mm-hmm. want any like, it's just like everything that happens to him, like, and then he reacts to it. It makes me want more like something worse to happen to him. And <laughs> then it's a proper redemption for me, you know, like towards the end, he gets a swift kicked in the butt and then he realizes that he's been like overreacting and, you know, he talks to the groom and everything. Um, but yeah, no, it's just, it's that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, 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 uh. Yeah. So Devin, what do you know about Father of the Bride Part Two?
1: I didn't even know there was one to okay. be honest. And then after this, I think Netflix recommended me Father of the Bride Part Two. That's all I know.
0: Okay, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna describe Father of the Bride Part Two for you because oh, no. it's um, George Banks must deal with not only the pregnancy of his daughter, but also the unexpected pregnancy of his wife. What? Yeah.
2: Yes. What's the plot is it. It is amazing. It's good. It is
0: good. Um, It is. Yeah. Cause there's, there's some scenes in this that my uh, family always quotes from the second one. Like at one point he's not sleeping at all. So Frank come, Frank comes back and gives him like these pills and he just passes out at the dinner table. But he, before he passes out, he asks his son, please pass the rolls, and then just falls over on the table. So whenever we're at Thanksgiving dinner and there's bread, it's always, please pass the rolls, and then right on the table. And
1: face down. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, and then there's like... You know, go ahead.
1: Is the new kid in the second one Macaulay Culkin then? Can they just like get <laughs> the Culkins in it?
0: No. Like the whole, thing oh. is, the whole thing is like the build up to the births.
1: Oh, got it. So, like this one with the weddings. Got yeah.
0: it. And then... Ryan, I don't know if you knew about this. Uh, There was a Father of the Bride Part 3 last year. Yeah, no idea. Uh, Last year. Yes, because like everything else, there was a Father of the Bride Zoom reunion written by Nancy Myers. They brought back the full cast. They cast the two kids from Part 2 who never were part of the story. Uh, And it has to do with Curian Culkin's character proposing to his his girlfriend, but he does it over zoom with his whole family for some reason. Cause that's how you do. I guess do. that 2020 was a weird year and I guess that's socially acceptable. So
1: <laughs> that's so weird. Was it good?
0: It wasn't bad. I watched it when it premiered on, I think it premiered on Facebook live. Like I think Netflix oh. streamed it to Facebook. So,
1: um, did it start with Steve Martin monologuing at you?
0: I, I think it did. I think it was a voiceover monologue, but yes, I think it's it, amazing. I think it does like a, a montage of the first film and they don't really show anything from the second film. It's like Netflix didn't really have the rights to that one, but they could show Dude. stuff from the first one. Uh <laughs> It's worth checking out if you can find it. I'm sure it's on the internet somewhere. Um, But yeah, I would recommend father of the bride part two for you, Devin, if you enjoyed this. One. Oh, I would totally watch Especially it. Especially yeah. if you enjoyed frog. Like if he stole the show for you and oh, yes. he's even better in the second one.
1: Yeah. What, so what right does he have being in that movie though? He's a wedding planner. Or does he like become like a baby planner, or like is he the baby shower planner? (laughs) He,
2: it's
0: yeah, it's bizarre. Um, he becomes like a friend of the family. Okay, and he he helps design the nursery. I guess is part of it. That's what I want. Um, just something to give, like just to just to piss Steve Martin off. Like George Banks can't can't everything can't go right. Okay. I mean, he's in the the second one. Also, deals with him having a midlife crisis and dying his hair. Oh, okay. And seeing Steve yeah. Martin without gray hair is still weird, even though this mm-hmm. film's been out for like twenty five years. Yeah, um, I should watch this. So, yeah, I I definitely recommend Father of the Bride if you have not seen it out there. Um, I have a weird question about this. Actually, okay. I was thinking
1: about this the whole time. How okay? It's gonna sound weird. How old were both of you when you first
0: watched this movie? Oh, I saw this on TBS when I was probably somewhere between five and ten. Okay,
1: great. That's what I was hoping for. Ryan, how old were you?
2: 31, 32.
1: Great. Okay, we have a good spread here. When you guys watched this movie first, did the daughter just look like a toddler getting married? Because the whole time I'm just sitting there going, she's so young. She looks so young. And, like, I don't know if it's, like, a casting choice or if now that I'm 31, everyone in their 20s looks like a baby to me.
0: It, it is weird watching it now because she definitely looks younger now than she did then. Okay. So, like, she looked like when you
1: watched it first, you're like, yeah, of course she's getting married. Look how old she is.
0: Yeah. Okay. No, it, it is weird to to me watching it now. Like, this time was the first time that stood out to me. Uh, she, she, yeah.
1: Because she's, what, 22?
0: Yeah, that's all she says. They say she is. So
1: I have been told I lived in L.A. for a while. I had uh, a couple of friends in L.A. that we were talking to. uh, And, you know, my wife and I are married, but we're going to do like a wedding thing soon. And we were telling them about it. And they go, oh, my God, you're so brave getting married at 30. It's so young. And like 30 was young for them to get married. So like for me, 22 is just like, what are you doing
2: you're also like, talking about 1991. This movie was probably written in the uh, you know late 80s. So That's true. I mean, there's that. And that's one of the reasons why I'm like, I never thought that. I never thought that she looked too young or thought she looked like a toddler. She's <laughs> um, just so
1: young. She came back from
2: Rome, from school. So, I yeah. mean, there's that. But, I mean, yeah, no, it's like when you hit 30, yeah, no, people in their you know early 20s can look like a
1: 13-year-old. Great. Another thing <laughs> I have, have to look forward to. I will forever.
0: All right. So that does it for the Father of the Bride talk. We're going to move on to Devin's pick for 1991. Yes. Which was the Coen Brothers film, Barton Fink. Yeah. All right. So this is a movie that I don't
1: hear a lot of people talking about. Um, And to give you guys a little bit of background, I am a huge Coen Brothers fan. They are my number two favorite director. Um, Number one
0: being Edgar Wright.
1: Edgar Wright yes Edgar Wright's number one and uh Coen Brothers are a very close second and I think I realize I like them both because they all have their own unique style of movie and I want to know a little bit about before I jump into to all of the the discussion about this I want to know your guys' exposure to Coen Brothers movies have any of you seen Coen Brothers movies they include uh, Miller's Crossing Big Lebowski um Hail Caesar, um, No Country for Old Men, Fargo. Uh, they do. I've
0: seen. I've seen a few. I haven't seen them all. Mm-hmm. I've definitely seen Fargo, Big Lebowski, mm-hmm. um, Burn After Reading. Right, Burn After Reading is a big one. Um, mm-hmm. But I, because of because of you and because of the show, the one of the mm-hmm. last triple features we did was the pilot episode where we all had each other watch pilots from different shows. And I got really into Fargo, the TV show. Um, So I'm, I've become a big fan of their style because that show expands on the world of the film Fargo, but also like pulls from all the Coen brothers films. So I was really interested to watch this one. Um, So I think, I think either you need to make me watch more Coen brothers or I just need to do Mm -hmm. it on my own.
1: I'll make you watch more Ryan. Have you seen any Coen brothers before this? It's
2: really hit or miss with me like it really is like i like raising arizona i Mm -hmm. really like spies like us Mm -hmm. um i hate burn after reading uh and what was the other one that i completely forgot about because i didn't like it that much oh i can't remember but anyway like there's their their styles really hit or miss Mm -hmm.
1: so yeah okay um okay so this movie um is kind of the start of a lot of their their specific style and a lot of their like overall casting choices. So some of the actors that you see in this, you see in a lot of Coen Brothers movies. So this one has uh, John Turturro in it, which is in a he, you know, him John Goodman are in a lot of it, and so is Steve Buscemi, who's also in this movie. So this is kind of where a lot of it gets its start. So have either of you seen this movie before? I no ask that no. Neither no. of you have no. Okay, so what did you think?
0: Oh, I I have a lot of questions for you, but I only have one written down, which I'll get into then. (laughs) Okay. Um, I think I said in the chat we have or in our group chat that we have a lot to talk about with this one, so we're going to try to keep it tight. But yeah, I can keep mine simple. Yeah. Uh,
2: Um, this should have been directed by Wes Anderson. Yeah, straight up.
0: It felt like Grand Budapest. It really did. It,
2: I yeah. I got yeah. a
0: lot of vibes from that as well. It's like a dirty yeah. Grand Budapest. Yeah, it is though.
2: And, and you know, to me, the fact that it wasn't directed by by you know Wes Anderson hurt it.
0: <laughs> it it's I'm like
2: sorry, but this is one of those Kona Brother movies that I'm just not. <laughs> no, they're totally fine.
0: It's a it's a mediocre Budapest hotel. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's not the Grand Budapest. It's a mediocre hotel. Like it's. So this is one of the Coen Brothers that Coen brothers movies that I
1: really don't like how it's marketed. Because I'm sure if you guys saw it anywhere listed, it lists it as a comedy. Mm-hmm. I've never – I love this movie. I love this movie. I've never laughed out loud at this movie once.
0: I saw that it was listed as a comedy. And I'm like, what were they smoking? Right. Uh,
1: <laughs> I right. think our
2: comedy listed.
0: I can yeah. I can see it as a dark dark yeah. comedy. I can see a lot of their stuff as a dark comedy. Um, I think but... for me though,
1: like the the like quintessential dark comedy movie is um, Death at a Funeral. Like mm-hmm. that's a dark comedy. That is a funny movie. I've laughed out loud to that. The subject matter is dark. I don't like it when people call Coen Brothers movies comedies though, because they have funny elements to them. But I've never seen anything on screen enough to make me laugh.
0: I don't think a dark comedy is supposed to make you laugh. I think a dark comedy is mm-hmm. supposed to have the elements of a comedy but not be funny um, okay I think it's just supposed to be like the the story beats of a comedy like this should be comedic in in different worlds it might be, but mm-hmm. in this story in this the world that we're talking to right now it 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 doesn't mm-hmm. Um, that's, so, that's the way I look at dark comedy.
1: I mean, that makes sense though. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, I think I see the word comedy. I'm like, I'm going to laugh at least once at this. And then if I don't, I'm like, it failed as a comedy. Yeah. So I like your description yeah. of it a little better.
0: Yeah. So what I liked about this film as somebody who's tried to write multiple things is the way it deals with writer's block. Yeah. It does a really good job of showing that on screen, which is a really hard thing to show. Mm-hmm. But from what I read, they came up with the story for this during a writer's block period, which kind of makes sense.
1: So, yeah. yeah, during Miller's Crossing. They were trying to write Miller's Crossing. They ran into some writer's block. They decided to, like, escape and just, like, let's write something quick and relatively simple. And this is what fell out of it, which I thought was fun.
0: All right. I've got a question for you, Devin. Okay, I'm ready. So... Is Barton Fink just in hell?
1: <laughs> I mean, that's a good question.
0: Um, so
1: do you know how um, when Childish Gambino released This Is America yes. and somebody came out up to him and asked, okay, look, this is about this, right? And he, his response was, it's about what you want it to be about. That's how Coen Brothers movies are. That's what Barton Fink's about. They throw okay. a lot of stuff at the wall. There's a lot of stuff there, and they want you to take the parts of it that mean the most to you and want you to run with it.
0: You know what they threw against like the wall. wall on this one? <laughs> what? Not great wallpaper glue.
1: <laughs> Those scenes are so disgusting. The wallpaper they are,
0: glue. The, the, the slurping noise that it makes when he pushes Ooh. it against the wood. No, no. Nope. Yeah. And nope. then he like
1: shows it on his hand after. Just, yeah. I hate it.
2: You, you you have you have no idea how uh, how many times I wanted that to be the blob from the '80s blob movies, so like everybody would die and the movie would be over. But anyway, um, speaking know, of, I like that whole thing about you know, like there are movies like you kind of take from it what you want. And mm-hmm. I, I wrote this down as a tagline that I was going to say, and yeah. now it's less of a joke and more of like, oh, I could definitely see this movie being this way if that's how they want me to interpret it. Um, yeah. And I have right on my note thought on movie uh barton fink is a movie about a creative man with untreated adhd that should have been directed by wes anderson (laughs) i mean yeah i mean he does he's sitting in his room he's getting distracted by like little things he's he's getting lost in thought he Mm -hmm. can't keep like whenever his mind does align his thoughts it all comes out and he can't control it and he goes on rants yeah like those are traits And so I was like, yeah, I definitely connect with this guy on that level. It was just, there was a style of the movie that I just couldn't like get into. And that's why I'm just like, ah.
1: You just wanted to be Wes Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. So talking about story beats of the movie, how did you guys feel about where the story went? So for anyone who hasn't seen the movie, go watch it. It's nice. But I'm going to go into some spoilers here. Uh, The movie is about a writer who is like the toast of Broadway. He's a great Broadway writer. He gets hired. a movie company a movie production company to write a wrestling movie he doesn't know how to write a wrestling movie and spends the majority of his time trying to write this movie uh, and hanging out with his next door neighbor uh who turns out to be a serial killer and that's kind of that's like the hook of the movie at the end how did you guys feel about that did you think it deserved it or earned that kind of twist i think
0: it i think it earned it because there is, yeah. like, that last speech that John Goodman, friend of the show John Goodman has.
1: Friend of the show. Um, I love John Goodman. National yeah. treasure.
0: I, I'm not going on about my love of John Goodman again. I did that too much <laughs> in the uh, last time we talked about him. Uh, Captive State, I think it was. It yeah. was. Yeah. Um, so go check that out. But John Goodman is fantastic in this. And I from the moment you meet him, something seems off about him. Mm. And it's such a slow burn to get to that last moment with him. Pun intended. Uh, Ah, But I think it's such a well-written character that everything that you see play out towards the end is built towards and definitely deserved. Ryan, do you share that sentiment?
2: Yeah. I mean, once – once the, the detectives got involved, I got more interested in the storyline. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if I'd fully agree that it deserved it, but I was happy that it happened.
1: Because <laughs> um, <laughs> it gave it some it gave it momentum.
2: Yeah, yeah, like... It gave it somewhere to go. And then, you know, like I f- forever in my mind for now on, whenever somebody says John Goodman, I'm, I'm just going to see him running down a hallway that's on fire, carrying a shotgun going, I'll show you the life of the mind. <laughs> and so, I mean that, you know, thank you, Devin for that.
1: You're
0: welcome. <laughs> that's what am here for? So every, every time he yelled that in that scene, I just couldn't help but picture the Joker from the Tim Burton Batman. I'm of a mind to make some moogie. <laughs> <laughs> Which is still Good. a bizarre line, but it that scene also reminded me a lot of *Lord of the Flies* and like the whole Beelzebub thing.
1: Oh, it, from, yeah. from
0: that book. Um, so that's why I was like, so this is so I the way I interpreted this film is Hollywood is Barton Frink's hell. And he's a Broadway writer. He doesn't want to be there. He's taken there on a whim for a job, and it just all goes up in flames around him. That's the way I that's, I, like the, that's why I That's why looked at this.
2: Ooh, and then the box he's carrying around is basically his remembrance of his past life, the last time he was happy.
0: Ooh,
1: I like that.
2: I'm starting to come around on this movie.
0: <laughs> okay. Oh, See, oh great. <laughs> we changed Ryan's mind on something for once. <laughs>
1: All right, so I actually took it a different way, and you guys are going to recognize my approach in it because it's a very stereotypic Devon approach to everything. Okay. (laughs) It was a cynical approach. Um, For me, it is the dangers of uh, pseudo-intellectualism. That's what this is. So you have Barton Fink sitting there going, I am the voice of the people. I listen to everybody. And John Goodman trying to tell him a freaking story about him. And, you know, John Turturro just sitting there being like, it's the common man. It's like you. But he doesn't care. Like, he doesn't care to listen to anybody but himself. And that's him the entire time. And that's also the writer, the other writer that he runs into, is it's all just that. Like, it's all just the dangers of pretending to be a pseudo-intellectual. Okay. That's what I took away yeah. from the movie. It, it's my standard cynical Devin approach, but that's why I like it. <laughs> well,
2: good, good. I, um, I Googled the film after I saw it, and I actually mm-hmm. found a review where that's where they were saying. That, oh, really? Like, hey, look, this is Coen Brothers' movie where they dive into, like, the dangers of overthinking. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I read it. I'm like, oh, okay, that's a cool point of view. And I'm like, but I, you know, it's like, I whatever. <laughs> Until now, now <laughs> we've, you know, been talking about it, so...
1: Yeah. I mean, but that's the one thing I like about it is there's so many instances in this movie where you can just take that little bit and go, OK, this is what the whole movie's about. Got it. Yeah.
0: Devin, chat is calling you out for using four dollar words like pseudo intellectual. I can't read the chat. I don't have my glasses on. But like pseudo intellectual. Using... Yeah, that. Um, <laughs> stop it. Don't make me, don't oh, over make me fly here. over there and slap you. Even an th- over even here. Th- <laughs> th-
1: over here, they're called four pound words. All right. <laughs>
0: fair fair enough gross so,
1: there is an actor that
2: i want to bring up that's in this okay um, and i'm and i'm going to mispronounce his last name and i apologize it's just you know that's it's going fun. to happen uh, tony shalub tony shalub
1: tony shalub shalub yeah
2: he is one of my favorite actors i remember Agreed. seeing him the first time i ever saw him was on a show called wings Um, and then, uh, and then I saw him in a, uh, in like a bunch of random stuff like Siege, which is another one of my favorite movies. Um, and now like it's one of my favorite shows to watch is Monk. Mm -hmm. And, and the fact that the main character in this movie plays his brother on the show, I thought was great.
0: Oh yeah. Forgot Forgot about about that. that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, because I mean, like when he came in, I'm like, is that Monk? Is that a young Monk? I'm like man his face is chiseled if that's a young monk so i looked him up real quick and it was monk, and, he's a um, very young monk. yeah and then i'm like oh this is cool it's these two actors that that you know it's like i really love their like back and forth and i think their chemistry on monk is better than what it is in this movie
0: sure uh i like him a lot in marvelous mrs mazel
1: yeah which is oh which the chat
0: has brought up uh he's one of the best parts of that show everyone on that show is fantastic but he stands mm-hmm. out a lot um but I always think of him as Monk and from Galaxy Quest. Like, it's hard. Oh, yeah, yeah, in, in, Quest with, a, with a stacked cast in Galaxy Quest like you have, it's hard mm-hmm. to stand out in that, but he does. Yeah. Him and um, Alan Rickman and all, oh, what's his name? Tim Guy. Murray. No, not him. <laughs> <laughs> in a cast like that, it's hard for Tim Allen to stand out. Uh, <laughs> But
2: you're talking about guy, right?
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Sam Rockwell. Understand. That's it. Sam okay. Rockwell.
1: Sam Rockwell is another one of those actors. I just like absolutely love though. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's it, like, like Tony Shalhoub. I don't think he gets nearly enough credit for being as phenomenal as he is.
0: Mm-hmm. He'll, he'll get his, he'll get his day. Um, Will he? Yeah. I hope so. So speaking of burning fires, <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to Ryan's pick. Cause that, do we have anything else for Barton Fink before we move on?
1: Look, I loved it. I think everybody should watch it, um, but I am a special cynical mind.
0: You, that you are. A pseudo whatever. Pseudo. Whatever. A, yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> Speaking of pseudo-intellectualism, in, let's talk about Ron Howard's backdraft. Yes. This was okay. Ryan's pick for this week. Yes. I swear, next week I'm going to have these uh, sized out before we go live. So I don't have to drag them up like that, <laughs> but, but yeah, Ryan, go ahead and, uh, talk about backdraft.
2: Okay. So backdraft to okay, get, it was made 1991. All these movies were made in 1991, but anyway, um, it was directed by Ron Howard and it stars, let's see, William Baldwin, uh, Donald Sutherland, Kurt Russell, Jennifer, Jason Lee. Yeah, yes. That. Uh, Scott Glenn, Robert De Niro, T.G. Welsh, uh, and a bunch of other people. Um, it's pretty much a movie about firefighters in Chicago. Uh, two brothers who grow up with a dad who passes away at a fire scene. One of uh, and the movie opens up with the younger brother getting back into the firefighting corps, and the older brother being basically like the like scorched veteran to use a fire word. So <laughs> yeah, there's that. Um, I see what you did there. Yeah, exactly. Good. Uh, so this this movie I saw when I was a kid, maybe like six or seven, like honestly, real, you know, like really close after it came out. Uh, my family's from Chicago, so that was a draw to it. Any movie ever set in Chicago I've seen because my dad and my mom are both from the city. So um, what did you guys think before I get any further into it?
0: Okay, so... In our group chat, I sent the Spongebob meme of one eternity later. <laughs> this movie was way, way, way too long. Next time we do a triple feature, the cap is going to be less than two hours. <laughs> uh, that being said, I enjoyed at least two hours of this movie. There's probably about 15 <laughs> minutes in here that I, I could have done without.
1: But it, it was all a firefighting montage, though.
0: Yeah. Okay. You don't cut the montage in something like this. Um,
1: yeah.
0: No. <laughs> it's the important part. Yeah. The 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 movie tries to be two different sto- two different films, and they don't come together until about three three quarters of the way into the film. And I think that's my biggest problem with it. Other yeah. than other than that, it's your standard Ron Howard ensemble film like Apollo thirteen, where you have this big cast of actors and um william baldwin for some reason (laughs) um
2: i actually have a tidbit on that yeah because they couldn't get alec
0: alec was like hire my brother and they did
2: yeah
0: Uh, is that really how that um,
2: went yeah there was somebody sitting in the wings on this one that 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 was it uh, that, that that didn't get the part um who is it brad pitt really brad pitt was told by the studio to do a different film
0: he would and have crushed actually, it. What fil- what other film did he do?
2: You the- know what? It was on the IMDb thing and I took the screenshot of Was
0: it Thelma um, and the Louise?
2: One. I yes, it was. Okay. I oh, think that's what it was. Yeah.
0: God, cool. my mind is weird that I could pull that out of thin air. Um <laughs> Devin, what did you think of this?
1: Yeah. I liked it a lot. So this is another movie and here it goes. I knew what this movie was about before I turned it on. I was like, it is a firefighter movie. I'm going to leave this movie wanting to be a firefighter because it is going to be the only noble career a human can take. And it wasn't that. It was a murder mystery. And I didn't know it was a murder mystery. And I was so (laughs) charmed by that. And, like, Alan's totally right. The murder mystery part didn't show up until, like, way late in the game. There was, like, that slow burn where, like, at the not, pun not intended there, where, like, at the beginning, uh, Robert De Niro was like, I'm checking out the fire. And then, like, that was it for, like, an hour. And then he came back. And, like, yeah. I thought, you know, I thought that was cool. Like, I yeah. thought that was, like, better than just, like, aren't firefighters great? Isn't their job hard? Like, I'm glad it wasn't that.
0: Yeah, the way De Niro presents himself in his first scene is like, okay, so he's the guy who's burning down these buildings. Because mm-hmm. it's it's very uh, – I'm Al Pacino. Uh, <laughs> it's very – bizarre for Pacino in the 90s because this is like right around Goodfellas it's like okay yeah. he, there, there's something weird about this character because it's not the De Niro you're used to seeing so that, that threw me off a bit I thought he was going to be the arsonist and we're not going to spoil who is in case anybody out, out there hasn't seen Backdraft I mean it's hard to believe if you haven't seen Backdraft it's been out for 30 years and <laughs> okay, um, true but well, let's not spoil who the actual yeah no person okay. is. I will spoil uh, okay. I will talk I want to talk about the opening scene of this movie quick. Okay. Um Here you go. so the film opens with Kurt Russell as the the two main characters' dads. Yes.
2: yes yeah. yeah.
0: Um so the way this movie is marketed and like I, I got the DVD from my library, support your local libraries. Um Kurt Russell is on the box. He <laughs> is the first build in the movie. And then they kill him in the first five minutes of the movie. But the way I, like I put the DVD in and I see him go to the fire with this little kid. I'm like, Oh my God, they're going to kill the kid. Like the (laughs) fact that I knew he was in this movie, like Kurt Russell was like the main build in this movie. I thought they were going to kill the kid at the opening. I was like, what the hell is Ryan having us watch? (laughs) Um, Luckily that's not the case. Uh, yeah. They they kill Kurt Russell and then he plays his son later on. Okay, yeah, I don't know if I loved that. I was like, we could have gotten anyone else
1: except for Kurt Russell to play the dad.
0: Like, and I feel pretty, like I feel like they did well, some weird makeup thing to make him look younger. But
1: yeah, they gave him a mustache.
0: <laughs> I mean, also that.
1: <laughs>
0: no, I feel like there was something weird going on with his hairline and his forehead throughout this whole thing. I feel like. It's like they tried to de-age him like they did in Guardians 2, but Guardians 2 was closer.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, you also have to say, like, th- 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 this was made in 1991, so, like, Kurt mm-hmm. Russell, like, you know, take his age now, and...
0: Oh, he's Santa Claus now.
2: Yeah, I, I know that, but I don't really... I don't... No, I ne- I'd never seen any issues with the de-aging on him. It mm-hmm. was only weird when he was the dad to me
0: maybe this is just a weird time for me to look at Kurt Russell, like a weird period of time. Cause I can't really think of anything that he was in, in the nineties after this. Like, I feel like he kind of disappeared for a while and then showed up again in sky high. So at least for me, yeah, so I like know, I, I know, mean, like, I know overboard Kurt Russell and then sky high and then Quentin Tarantino era. <laughs> Kurt well, Russell.
2: I have an actor's suggestion. Okay. Who who would have played their dad, and that would have been Robert Shaw, the sheriff from Jaws, because okay. to me, the actors I named, Robert Shaw is the only one missing from this group. Like he's like the one that's missing from like this group of actors. I feel like mm-hmm. he would enter like would be a nice fit in in with Donald uh, uh, Sutherland and. Uh, and Scott Glenn I feel like he would have fit in well with that group. Uh, I
0: mean, you're right.
2: him as being the dad would have been fine.
0: I think he had a good reason to not be in this film. He died right.
2: in 1978. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh, no. I forgot about that. Oh well. He's a little busy.
0: I mean <laughs> nah, I did, like dream casting that works like <laughs> yeah. in your yeah. perfect world you would get Robert yeah. Shaw. But yeah, yeah, he he died in 78 so Okay. Oh, awful! So, I don't think his agent's got a call on this one.
2: <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so either. So about it being feeling like two movies, I completely mm-hmm. agree because that's something that I was going to bring up because mm-hmm. I honestly had not seen this movie since I was like 10 mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest. Like I haven't seen this thing in forever. Um, and I didn't realize one, how long it was. And I even warned you too. I was like, Hey guys, I didn't know this was like two hours and 15 minutes long. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, at one point. And, uh, But, like, if you go to, like, the 55th minute of this movie, or, like, the 56th minute of this movie, Mm -hmm. it it almost feels like this could have been two separate films. Like, Mm -hmm. the first hour and 20 minutes is strictly a firefighter family drama, and then half is, like, that murder mystery thing. So, I mean, that's, that, that's something that I picked up on.
0: See, the, the, what, what threw me off about the first act of this movie was I thought it was going to go in so many other directions than it did. Like yeah. when William Baldwin goes to see his nephew and sister-in-law and mm-hmm. she's like, oh, he hasn't lived here in months. I was like, oh, is he going to mo- try to move in on his, his sister-in-law?
1: That's what I thought.
0: Um, and then he doesn't, um, but then like the, the kid at the beginning of who I thought was going to die and the, but I actually really like that, like going in
1: different directions. I thought that was cool because, you know, I, I like it a lot when a movie isn't the like weird view of it that I have. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like, I when they were, they were at like a retirement party at one point and William Baldwin gets offered a job to work along with Al Pacino to investigate a series of fires. Uh, And he turns it down. And at one point he goes, dang it. Don't you understand what I'm trying to do here? I'm trying to do something real. I'm trying to be a firefighter. And I went, Oh, all right, movie. And it got so much better than that. And I love that. Like it made that part totally fine.
0: So one of the things that took me out of this movie Uh was the playing of heat wave.
2: Oh, no, I love that part of this film. I would
0: love it. I was like, of course, you've got to play heat wave because you're firefighters on your way to a fire. (laughs) Not the only firefighter film to do that. (laughs) Like that, I guess that's a staple of firefighter films. You just have to play that song at some point. You have to.
2: Yeah, and was it was it, uh, I sent you guys in the group chat a, uh, a video of that scene today, and then I put a gif of like somebody having like goosebumps on their arm because it does every, every time I see that scene. And they start playing, uh, and they start playing that, I get chills. I don't know why. I missed I Chicago in the background, the flags.
0: <laughs> um, also, for the first half of this film, I did not know it was Chicago. You know what? I didn't know this was Chicago for the first half of this film. Oh really? Really? It until didn't? until I saw the skyline, I I didn't know.
2: Oh, because on their helmets it said Chicago, and on the I don't the pay, I wasn't Chicago. paying that close and...
0: to. <laughs> I, this is a Ron Howard film from 1991. The only thing I really picked up on was his brother showing up in it as the <laughs> medical examiner. <laughs> I wasn't oh, was not who that uh, was. Yeah,
2: yeah, it was. Clint That's Howard's
0: got to show up in everything, just like Ted Raimi's got to show up in Sam Raimi stuff.
2: Yeah, <laughs> uh, like at the um at the bar they're at like people are like somebody yells out, Hey, Chicago firefighter class. So I'm like, I'm surprised you didn't catch, you know, like I'm just,
1: (laughs) yeah,
2: but still, but anyway, (laughs) I I can understand that because they don't really say anything. It's just on the helmets. It's on the fire truck. So if you're not paying, you know, like, Ooh, you know, it's like, what's his engine number, you know, like what's on the plate on the helmet. So
0: the other thing of this is I didn't watch this with my uh, stereo system on. I just put it in the Blu-ray player and let it play through my TV. And I had to turn the volume up very loud on this old agent DVD that I got from my local library, support your local library. Um, Uh, So I think, I think part of it was just the the age of the disc that I had that I just didn't pick up on the, that those details because I had to turn it up really loud.
2: Uh, mm-hmm. I got you. Um, so one of the things that one of one of one of the technical aspects I like about this growing up is something. Well, when I was younger, growing up, when I was younger, I I I kind of reason why I gravitated towards this because one, I thought the movie was cool the first time I watched it, mm-hmm. and then that was one, and then two. This was featured in almost every single movie magic special or TV show that was done because they would show, you know, how they did the explosions, how, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, it's like using models and like stuff like that. So it was really cool seeing a movie and then for like the first time ever seeing how movies were made at the same time and having this film being the example of it for me. And so that's another thing that really like gravitated me uh, towards this. Um. And then it was also when I was, you know, explained to me as a kid that just because they show people doing things a certain way in a movie doesn't mean that that's how it's done. Like charging into a fire without an oxygen mask. (laughs) Kurt Russell.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Like
1: everyone had one but him. And I was like, he he just breathed differently. Like he lives on smoke.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, to me, this film does that balance between, was it, I have a, I have it written down here. Uh, opinion: perfect balance of reality, how firefighters actually work, and Hollywood moronic, Hollywood moro- moronic spectacularism.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah, I, <laughs> absolutely. So, um, I yeah. there are some moments in this that I really love. Like Hans Zimmer does the score for this, and. Mm-hmm nails it i think yeah. he nails it like, there's like I love especially it. at the end when he's like he's running towards like the the big fire and mm-hmm. like han zimmer's score like pre-gladiator score comes
0: on oh it's so good yeah. so i realized that all of han zimmer's scores from the early 90s are the same because you could take this score and the score to the lion king and switch them out and you would not be able to tell the difference one will have african drums and that's the only difference
1: no i had that with Actually, with Gladiator, with him, I think Gladiator and Pirates of the Caribbean are basically the same scores. Alan and I and talked it,
2: about this.
0: It yeah. bugs me so much. Alan I think I you're right on our yeah, no, no. on our second episode. I think. Yeah. Going back, I, yeah. Because Gladiator
2: Ooh. is one of my fav, like top, like top ten favorite movies, and so like that was one of the first things we talked about. How like, hey, Alan, did you ever notice this? Like, that was one of my first big questions I ever wanted to ask him about a movie.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> You've
1: been, like, packing that one for years. You're
0: like, here it comes. And then he blew it on the third episode. (laughs) Um, In the chat, uh, Bill Hood says there was a backdraft ride at Universal for a full 20 years after this movie. Was there really? Yeah. I'm actually really mad I never got to ride that. Me too. I've never been to Universal, though. So, Alan, what? I I mean, if we want to do a spinoff of You Have to Go Here. Uh, I, I, you guys can make me go to Universal. Nope. I'm happy. I'll, ma- I'll make you go. As long as we can <laughs> no, get a beer at Mo's, perfect. I'm all for it.
2: It's so. not worth it. The backdraft ride's not there anymore. It's pointless.
0: I think just like have a cardboard cutout of
1: like Kurt Russell next to like a trash can on fire, and I'm fine with it. That's like all the ride I need.
0: Did um, I hate you now? Did they close the backdraft? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what'd you say?
2: I said I, I hate him now.
0: Well, no, <laughs> I got that part. Devin, what'd you yeah. say?
1: Oh, I said just have a cardboard cutout of Kurt Russell next to like a trash can on fire. And that's all the ride I need.
2: That's the wrong actor hmm. for the wrong scene, by the way. That was the Baldwin that opened up the trash can.
0: It was, though. It was on fire. Um, anything else on backdraft before? Uh, we... This
1: is fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. I
0: I yeah. don't know. I don't know what else we got to say for this one. Well,
2: um, I do have a few notes from an actual article. From the uh, Orlando Sentinel, from a 1991 article on this movie, where they mm-hmm. they actually interviewed firefighters. That uh, there was a fire chief that paid to rent out a whole movie theater, mm-hmm. so uh, so that all the firefighters in his company could go watch this movie the night it like premiered. Um, and there was a, I have a quote here. Uh, a uh, there was a firefighter EMT. His name was uh, his name is Richard gave the film an eight on a one to 10 scale for technical accuracy. The movie lost points for showing firefighters walking into fire and smoke filled rooms without, uh, without their special mask. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And they also mentioned that after this movie came out, recruitment for professional paid firefighters skyrocketed for like two years after this film came out.
1: That's what I like. That's what I like to hear.
0: Did after ladder 49, did recruitment for firefighters go down? (laughs) <laughs> so hold on that, that was the one question i did have does
1: this movie accurately, accurately portray how fire works like because uh, like, at one point like they were like it's in the walls i'm like isn't it just yes. everywhere like isn't that how fire works
2: you won't well it, part of it is fire moves with its fuel sources um mm-hmm. oxygen uh is it like was it uh it's got to burn something solid it's got to mm-hmm. have oxygen and there's a third component to it. I forget. I looked it up and it poof out of my head. But anyway, um, there are situations where in a building, you get a bunch of heat. The air moves very weirdly and oddly. Got so it. it can be sucked into walls. And that's how backdrafts happen. You've got a slow burning fire. It burns mm-hmm. itself out. It starves it, and air poof. It's like an explosion. Got it, it actually happened to me and Kristen once. Uh, we were in my parents' basement, yeah. um, which was furnished. And they had, like, a not a fireplace, but, like, a fireplace that was, like, modeled after, like, a wood-burning stove. Oh, sure. And I had always, you know, starved the fire out. I would Mm -hmm. close the airports and let the fire burn itself out. And I guess this one day, um, uh, air wasn't coming down the chimney the way it normally did when it starved itself Uh out. And we're sitting there, and front of the show, Chris was with us because he was still in town at the time and uh, up there. And – we're sitting and all of a sudden the thing practically blew up. Like flames like shot out of the like sealed doors because it 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 backdrafted and it oh, wow. um and uh so yeah, no, like fire does weird things, and I okay. love the fact that they try to make the fire a character in this. Yeah, um, but it only works like half the time. Because there's times where like the fire's like, oh my god, the fire's alive, and there's other times where it's like that thing's on a propane
0: the uh i i read it i read some trivia on this and i think jennifer jason lee said that she wished she could play the fire in this because it has the best role um and i'm sure the screenplay it it looks a lot better than it may have come out in the film but yeah the fire is definitely a a character in this yeah it does it makes a great antagonist
2: it does and um uh, one of the things that I like about uh, that, I, I like about the whole setup for this film is that they had uh, uh, three of the actors, well, four of the main actors, who were firemen. Um, they went through a one-month Chicago fireman boot camp. Uh, oh wow! Prior to filming, um, and they also did all their own stunts to where they were actually credited for doing their own stunts uh, in the uh, credits. All
0: right, that's very cool. Yeah. Yeah.
2: No, the, I. Love
0: this movie, <laughs> all right. So let's talk about next week's episode. Um, hmm. Ryan, I believe it's your turn to pick a film, so please tell me you're having us watch Backdraft 2 that came out in I... 2019. Wait, hold on, there's a Backdraft 2? Yes, yes the... there is. What,
2: yeah, Alan, do you hold want me. to get into it a little
0: bit? So, Backdraft 2, I didn't. Ryan sent me a clip, I didn't really get a chance to watch it, but from what I could understand. Backdraft 2 has to deal with Kurt Russell's son becoming a firefighter and working with William Baldwin. And Donald really? Sutherland comes back, too. Yeah. And
1: yeah. they all have kids.
0: Pretty much. Yeah. The fire has, right. like, little kindlings. like Little kindling. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. See what I uh, did there?
1: Was it good? Did it just, like, not do well? It was a
0: straight-to-video yeah. sequel. Mm, great. I mean, when your sequel comes out 28 years later... I don't know. Mm, it's yeah. true. So, it
2: was just, but it was hey,
0: but at least I now know a film that William Baldwin was in, because I can always say this is what Alec Baldwin's in. I can never th- name anything for William Baldwin. Stephen Baldwin, yeah, I can yeah. at least say uh, "Viva Lo- Viva Rock Vegas" that in Biodome, But now William Baldwin has a thing, so that's there good. you go. Yeah, good good oh. life skill.
2: So the the next episode we're doing is going to be in February, right? Yes. And, and yes, in February,
0: February, we're going to try to make Devin watch some more romantic films.
2: Yeah. I'm so, excited. So I'm skipping everything on my list that I have because of February is, you know, I have a standard list. So okay. I'm bringing, I am bringing out a movie that I just want to talk about. It's not that i have like, you know, one of my favorite films. It's not, but I really mm-hmm. want to talk to you guys about, and that's P.S. I Love You. Okay. Okay. So and it'll kind of tie into other conversations we've had in other episodes. So that's one of the reasons why I want that's one of the reasons why I'm bringing this in. And we and the fact that Alan and I are trying to prove to Devin that not all romance movies are sappy, corny, unrealistic
1: films or story.
0: Well, here's something we can't usually do in the chat. Drop, drop your favorite romantic comedy that you think Devin should watch. Um,
1: actually that's a really cool question.
0: Yeah, because we're looking for ideas and we have a few, but we'd love some feedback from anyone who's out there watching. Um, but I want to take a minute and just thank everyone for watching.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, this is our first Twitch stream on our own channel. We did this over the weekend with victims and villains and had a blast. So we came back and made our own thing. Um, (laughs) and we talked a bit yesterday about what we want this channel to be and we will be doing our show like this every week, but usually it will be one film. We'll take one film to talk about. Today was special because we had this triple feature planned out ahead of time. Um, But so every, every Tuesday at 8 o'clock, we'll be featuring a film. So next Tuesday, you can come back and he, hear us talk to Devin about P.S. I Love You, a film I haven't seen either. So oh, this, wow. should, okay, this cool. should be interesting. And judging by uh, the chat, somebody I live with is going to be thrilled about that. Um, <laughs> but... So the other things we want to do with this channel is we want to we're going to play some video games because mm-hmm. we're all kind we're all casual gamers I think is fair to say yeah yeah um, so we're going to play some games here and there uh, we also have something uh, special for the end of the month that we're yeah. going to be calling we watch this which will be us recapping news and. Uh, events on television and movies that we saw this pre- previous month. So, tune in for that this coming weekend. Uh, we're still not sure what that's going to look like or when that's going to be, but it'll probably yeah. be, I want to say Sunday.
1: That makes uh, sense.
0: Yeah, Sunday, we're probably going to yeah. be doing that. Um, and then Devin's got a few ideas for stuff he wants to do because yeah, he's, got, be fun. he's got all this time in London. It's weird. Just, Everything
1: shut down. I'm just yeah. in this apartment. It's great.
0: So if you have any uh, suggestions on what you want us to do with this channel, you can email us at you have to watch this podcast at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook at you have to watch this. You can follow us on Instagram. Everything's right up here in the, in the top. Uh, (laughs) If you like what you saw today and you want to just listen to this, whenever you want, we are available on any major podcasting platform from Apple music to Pandora uh, Spotify. We're at on all of them. Um, You can watch us, watch older episodes from the last month or so since we started doing video on our YouTube page. Um, And let's go back to the chat and see what we got suggested wise. Uh, Bill Hood suggests Love Actually, a film that I've seen. Ryan, have you seen that? I've
1: seen it too, yeah.
0: I don't think I've seen that. I
1: don't think I've seen that.
2: Because Uh, it's a romantic film and you wrote it off as soon as you found out that it was a romantic film.
0: And it's also London is Hell. Like it's, is it London wait, as hell? Yeah.
2: Oh, it's London as hell.
0: Okay. Okay. I, mean, I might. I it's might actually. London. As hell, wait a minute. But it's wait a London minute. Is that
1: hell. the the Andrew Lincoln like to me you're perfect? Yes. Thing? Okay. I have seen that.
0: Oh, uh, Okay.
1: I I agree. That was a great movie because I liked that that focused on the different aspects of love. Like it wasn't just like yeah. I found the person. Life is better. Like I enjoyed that a lot.
0: And Bill Nighy just singing. I feel it in my fingers. Uh, Miss Little Moon says Bridget Jones I have not seen a single Bridget Jones movie
1: I think that guys, would be
0: fun all, I also seen, London I've, so I've also London. I've,
2: I've seen all of them so if you want I can like throw these out randomly the Bridget Jones ones
0: yeah I mean I
1: I know who wrote that and um I know that person loves all of the Bridget Jones movies uh and I've seen snippets of them they seem fun. They seem like fun movies. I'd watch them. So
2: to, the, uh, so to, to, to that commenter, I will make sure that he sees the Bridget Jones movies. All, <laughs> All right. of them.
0: All right. Bill Hood says... Oh. Uh, I, well, I missed one. Sorry. AMB5688 mm-hmm. says An Affair to Remember. That's also on the top of my list to make you watch. It's an older oh, film. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if I know that one. It's the uh, me at the top of the empire state building before sleepless in seattle
1: is that where he's not coming is from or was sleepless in seattle where he's not coming
0: is from uh or are they both that kids? i think you're talking about the bit from how i met your mother but that's yes. exactly what i'm talking yeah. about um it came from both it came from both
1: um
0: okay. bill hood says 10 things i hate about you i don't know
1: that one's is that one um modern retelling and taming of the shrew yes with Heath yeah, Ledger, Julius. That Stiles. is the only thing I know about that movie. I would love to watch that movie. Okay,
0: we'll have to add that to okay. the list. Um, and then it looks like uh, some of our viewers are starting their own podcast. So that's fun. Uh, oh, competition! Are they
1: really? No, <laughs> oh, that's cool.
0: Um, no, this has been great. Uh, thank you, everyone, for watching. Uh, we had a blast. Uh, we hope yeah. to see you back here. Make sure to do you subscribe or follow on Twitch. I don't even know. I, I've had an account for like three days, so hit, <laughs> the, hit, the, <laughs> hit the button, follow us so you know when we're live. Find us on social media, and for you, you have to watch this podcast, I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And we'll see you later this week.